Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, uh, we've been talking about forgiveness for the last couple of weeks and I thought I would just boil it all down to one statement and it's a statement that we heard last week and it's as simple as this, forgive anyway. Just forgive anyway. You can forgive anyway because forgiveness is granted before it's felt. Uh, Jesus said forgive anyway because that's how God forgave you. God knew what you were up to. God knew uh, the less desirable times of your life and He forgave you anyway. So forgive anyway. But, you know, I guess too, you don't have to listen to what Jesus says. Uh, it's just it's an option to life. I think alternatively, if you don't want to listen to what Jesus said, that's fine. I've actually collated some additional resources for you as an alternative to what Jesus said. I mean, for example, there's a whole heap of them out there. You can download them on Netflix. There's shows like this. Uh, there's Revenge, if you'd like to go and watch that. Uh, there's plenty of episodes of that. And basically, uh, the summary is you'll find that uh, basically a life of anger and bitterness and retaliation can all be played out into a life of fulfillment in the Hamptons. So uh, that's an option for you if you're looking for an alternative resource to Jesus' teaching. Uh, or for, for those of you more into your Dungeons and Dragons, like the crew that we've got here, a bit of a more medieval feel, why don't we go for Game of Thrones? I think that's another one where a life of brutality, retaliation, and making it to the top can lead to an all-inclusive and beautiful community, right? <laughs> so there's that, or you can forgive anyway. Give anyway. And look, if you're anything like me, the challenge that we've had in all of this because of the pain that we've experienced in our life is that there are times where I just don't want to. And it's difficult and it's tough. Now, you don't think Jesus knows that. You don't think your Heavenly Father knows that. Of course, it's difficult. It's why we've been talking about it. And we've learned that, look, simply forgiveness is to specifically identify that there has been a pain or a hurt in your life, a specific pain or hurt, so you don't hold on to the anger and resentment generally. And then it's to take that, and uh, when that happens, there's a, a debt that's created, an emotional debt most of the time, but sometimes there's a physical, practical debt. People rip you off of money and the rest of it. And then it's to take that debt and to cancel that debt and say, you don't owe me. That's what forgiveness is. And Jesus says, forgive anyway. Just do it. And so we've looked at the varying dimensions of forgiveness. We've looked at the vertical dimension of forgiveness, that it's very hard to forgive effectively if you've not first received forgiveness from God. And then last week, we looked at the internal dynamic for forgiveness, is that forgiveness can be granted before it's felt, that forgiveness is not so much an event as it is a state, a way of living. That was revelation for some people that you can have what the Bible calls a forgiving spirit, where you too live a life where you forgive people in advance. Imagine that. This morning, we want to look at this fact, and that is that forgiven people can extend forgiveness because they can. Because they can, because they've got the resources to us we've talked about. Not just because they have to, but because they are the only people in the world, because of the resources they've been given, that they can extend forgiveness to other people. And that is what made Christianity, unlike Game of Thrones, <laughs> Christianity raised, raised itself in profile in society and culture, not Game of Thrones style, 
but through a whole army of forgiven people. And so as we've looked through all of that, we've realized that we can forgive in advance, that forgiveness is not an event, it's a state of living. And uh, out of all of that, you guys have had a range of questions that we've processed in community groups around the church. We've had questions that we've processed in Super Connect. There have been questions that we've processed that you can't get to. One of the biggest questions, though, that's popped up that we haven't answered yet is this, that if I have forgiven someone, does that mean that I have to go back and be around them? In other words, if I've forgiven someone, do I have to reconcile? And you ready for the short answer? No. The short answer is no. Because there is a big difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. And the revelation that I had when looking at the concept of revelation, concept of revelation, concept of forgiveness in the New Testament scriptures, whenever Jesus talked about reconciliation, you will see that he is saying that you must reconcile if you are the offender, not the victim. He says, remember, you're like if you're in the middle of worship and you remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Why is that? Because you've hurt them. You go and be reconciled to that person. But see, it makes sense because you and I know that even though we might have forgiven someone, the person that we're trying to reconcile with, if we even want to, may not be in the headspace to reconcile. Anyone experience that? So no, you don't have to be back with that person. Forgiveness is different than reconciliation. And let's be real and sensitive here, and I want to be sensitive. Some of you have been hurt by people where such is the hurt, so agrarious, so big is the hurt, that it forever ruptures any ability for relationship to exist. And so I am absolutely not saying that if you've been the victim of abuse or that you've been terribly, terribly wounded, that Jesus says, you must go back and have coffee with that person tomorrow. Absolutely no way. Forgiveness is different from reconciliation. What I do want to talk about this morning is, what do we deal with the person, and we've all been in these situations, the person that we love, the person that we have to live with, the person that we want to be friends with, but they've hurt us terribly, and it might be a person, and it may not be an event, it may be a series of events, that person in your life that just keeps niggling at you all the time. Anyone got, in, anyone got one of those in their life? Or I'm just preaching to myself, right? <laughs> if you nod, it's safe. They can't see you on the live stream. That's okay. <laughs> right? We've all got them. That's why it's so difficult because often we're to- not talking about the sorts of relationships where we never want to see them again. We're talking about the sorts of relationships where this person is in my life and they keep doing it. And what am I supposed to do with that? Do I have to be back in their presence? Here's the first thing to understand this morning. Forgiving doesn't mean that no, acting as if nothing has ever happened. Forgiving is not acting as if nothing has ever happened. Someone says, and I've heard people say this, you know, if, 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 I, forgive, if I forgive my father, does it mean that, that I condone what he did? And if I forgive my father, do I have to be back in his presence again, even though I haven't seen him for years? And the answer is no. Sometimes the pain ruptures the relationship. And more importantly, forgiveness doesn't mean pretending like nothing's ever happened. In fact, one of the things you might need to do if someone has hurt you before you even begin to extend forgiveness is that you have to understand that setting boundaries is necessary to heal. 
setting boundaries is necessary to heal. It's kind of like, I, you know, I call them emotional, boundaries are emotional band-aids. Right? That's what I think boundaries are. Well, what does a band-aid do? You know, a, a band-aid separates the wound from the environment that could cause it more harm, right? So when, you know, we've got nurses in here, you understand, you know, the big patches, if there's big wounds, there's, there's big barriers to the environment that continue to harm and reopen the wound. That's why Band-Aids are for. And so a boundary is an emotional Band-Aid that you put on the wound that has been caused by this person. And so some of you this morning may need to set a boundary. And here's what a boundary is. A boundary is is when you decide who to let in and who to keep out. Who to let in and who to keep out. And you do this all the time. Um, you do this, all, all of you have a front door? Have you got a front door? Yes? Yep. It's a boundary. Front doors decide who you let in and who you keep out. <laughs> um, some of you have done this with your kids, right? You, you get your little kitties down together and, and you, you kneel down with them and you say, honey, not everyone has to be your friend. And they're just not a good friend. They're a yellow light friend. In fact, they're a red light friend. You don't need to, you don't need to let everyone in, sweetheart, right? That's a boundary. Some of you in your marriages, hopefully, would have ba boundaries. No, you cannot spend time with this type of person. No, you cannot continue to have an emotional engagement with this person. That's a boundary, right? So you do this all the time. You just may not think of boundaries in terms of forgiveness. And I think part of the reason is we as Christians kind of grow up thinking, well, Jesus tells me, you must, you must, you must, you must forgive. And so therefore, I can't have any boundaries. No, God is not expecting you to act as if nothing ever happened. And God is not expecting you to let a harmful person back into your life to keep picking away at a wound that's trying to form the scab. Wonderful imagery this morning. <laughs> but that's the whole point of a Band-Aid, right? Band-Aid separates a boundary from the thing that could hurt it. So it can at least form a scab. So there's a temporary bodily barrier over that. And what scabs then become scars. And your objective when you want to move into a relationship and reconcile is you want to move into that relationship with a scar, not a scab. Hear the difference? You want to move into that relationship so that when someone knocks the wound area again and it's scarred, it doesn't reopen the wound. It doesn't re-trigger you. It doesn't hurt you again. It doesn't bring back all the memories of unresolved pain that you have from the situation. God doesn't expect you to rush in. Is this making sense? So, some of you pertinent ones that are listening in, well, you're saying, Sam, that kind of, that does bound, that kind of sounds like a wall. You know, and you've been telling us we shouldn't be putting up walls and we should be forgiving people. And what's the difference between a wall and a boundary? And the way I kind of describe it is that a wall, a wall is built with the bricks of anger and resentment and it's set in concrete. A boundary, on the other hand, is kind of like one of those ropes with the little laminated sign that you stick out on your front lawn saying, stay off the grass. Right? <laughs> Does that make sense? A wall is built with the bricks of anger and resentment. A wall says, stay out. A wall says, you're not coming over. A wall saying, you're never getting in. A wall says, it's permanent. A boundary says, I have drawn a line here because I am under repatriation. I'm healing. <laughs> You've worn a hole in the grass. I, I'm, I'm not ready to move back into a relationship yet. But if we continue the analogy a bit further, you know, if, if we have a boundary here, and a, a rope suggests that it's temporary, 
there's an essence in which you're communicating to the person, I can't talk to you right now, I don't want to be with you right now, but I've put a temporary rope up to say, stay off my grass. <laughs> it's also transparent. It means you're communicating, you're letting them in and see walls, walls are built and then you walk away. Right? So it means that you haven't totally cut off communication with the person. And it demonstrates eventually that the rope will come down. There may be a time in which I'm signaling, though I'm not ready yet, that this rope will come down and we will be in relationship together. Make sense? It's walls versus boundaries. And so you might have to, um, you might have to set up a few ropes with a few little laminated signs. And you might have some boundaries. You might have, for example, like, and if you're the writing down person, you can write this down. If this is, you know, you want to know the practical side of things as to how this is going to work, um, straight up, you might have some activity boundaries. Hey, you know what? You've hurt me. I'm working on it. Uh, I, but we just can't do that together right now. No, things are not the same. We, we, we can't go and do that together. Uh, maybe there's some time boundaries in all of that. Hey, look, I understand that you want to work things out and you want to talk things together, but I, I'm just not in the headspace right now to talk about it. I do want to talk about it, but I, we just can't right now. Maybe there's a communication boundary. Hey, I'm aware of the issue. Uh, I, I'm working things out, but we, I, I just cannot talk about that right now. And so you can set some of these boundaries up in place that are healthy. You set boundaries up because God doesn't expect you to continue to move back into a relationship where you are heard over and over and over again. And so, some of you may need to set up boundaries, and boundaries are okay because forgiveness is different from reconciliation. Now, quick 30-second flip side in all of this. What do you do if you are the person who is on the other side of that rope? There may well be people in this room that have hurt people, and we haven't talked about that side of the equation for all of this series, but you might be in the sort of person that's caused harm to someone, and you want to be back in relationship with them, and they've put up the little rope that says, please don't talk to me or be with me right now. What do you do in all that sort of situation? What I say to you quickly in 30 seconds is, please stay off the grass. <laughs> Respect their boundaries. Respect the fact that an absence of relationship is the consequence of the hurt. And you're not going to be able to get around that. And the fact that they've got some boundaries there and they're communicating that to you may in and of itself be something to celebrate. But stay off the grass. So my question for you this morning then, and because, look, I know we've all got them, and I know you've probably had that person because you've inserted them into the case study of this forgiveness series, and I know because many of you have been saying, oh, how do I wrestle through this through just asking for a friend? That's how most of you started the conversation, asking for a friend. <laughs> We've all got them. And so my question for you to consider this morning is, are you creating walls or boundaries? I think a lot of people think that they're creating boundaries, but really they're building walls. And the way you'll know the difference between a wall and a boundary is what we'll see in the scriptures here from the Apostle Paul. And really, um, what he says to us is, you know what, once you've established your boundary, you can't live there forever. And in fact, um, some of you would like to live behind a boundary for er forever. Uh, but depending on which type of person you are, what Paul calls us to do is either entirely gratifying or it's terrifying, right? And what he calls us to do is to say there is a point at which, yes, you forgive and then you need to confront, right? 
Who are all the conflict averse in this place? <laughs> yeah, we've got a few of them. You don't even like to put your hand up. Kind of averse to that. <laughs> My problem is I, love, I like conflict. <laughs> you know, I, I, I grew up in a construction company before I became a minister. And so conflict was just the default as to how we got things done. You got to tell your boss he's an idiot. And you just always wrestled through things. So I, I, I don't mind a good conflict. So I hear this and I think, great, let's get into it. Let's work it through. You know, some of you have been chomping at the bit. Others of you hate conflict, and so you've been hiding behind walls or boundaries your entire life, and you're not progressing forward because you're not doing then what Paul calls us to do. And here's what he says to us. He says, Do not repay anyone for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, underline that because we're going to come back to that. Live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, then feed them. If he's thirsty, then give them something to drink. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. A couple of key principles on how to extend forgiveness from this passage. The first thing here we see from this is you confront after you're forgiven. You confront after you're forgiven. It says, verse 18, it is if it's possible as far as it depends on you, if it, as far as it depends on you. Ever notice this, that hurting people hurt people. And so this is last week's message on forgiveness. You can't live at peace with a person if you've not done the inner work of forgiveness. If you go into that hurt, you know, imagine this, imagine that... <laughs> Imagine that you've got this giant gash, this wound on your leg, you're, you're bleeding everywhere. How would you react if I came up to you and tried to touch it? You'd be like, get away! Right? So you'd be defensive. And you're like, don't touch this. You'd be sensitive. And here's the funny thing with injured people. You'd be entirely self-interested. You wouldn't know what else is going around in the world other than I've got a bleeding leg. right? And so hurting people are inherently <laughs> sensitive, defensive, self-interested, hurting people are in pain. So, question for you, class. How well do you think a confrontation conversation is going to go with someone if you're still bleeding all over the floor when you walk in to go and have a discussion with them? Out of 10, what do you reckon? <laughs> you forgive, <laughs> you confront after you forgive. And some of you say, well, what's the difference? All the difference in the world tone of voice, your posture, everything, everything, all the difference. You need to have done the forgiveness first. And then when, you've, when you go to confront, here's the second thing, are you going into that confrontation with forgiveness or vengeance? With forgiveness or vengeance? Are you moving in with a sense of, you know, I'm going to go and have a talk to this person because, you know what, I'm going to tell them what they did to me and I'm going to make them pay. Ultimately, you haven't cancelled the debt. You go in with vengeance. You want to know how you go in with this well? Verse 9, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. One of my favorite stories, scenes from the Bible, they should make a movie out of this stuff, was that, you know the scene where Joseph 
He's the prime minister of Egypt. He'd been thrown into a hole by his brothers. He's the prime minister of Egypt. All these brothers come groveling back to him because they're in famine in Israel. They don't know it's Joseph. Then they realize it is Joseph and they are absolutely terrified because they think Joseph has been watching either Revenge or Game of Thrones. And so this is not going to go well. So they get dad to then write a letter to Joseph saying, please do not smite them or hurt them. And, and what, is, what does Joseph do? Joseph, Joseph weeps in this scene. And then he says to them, do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? What you intended for harm, God intended for good. Everything in that scene is the embodiment of what we've been talking about for the last three weeks. Do you think Joseph would forgive in that manner? Do you think Joseph would act in that manner if he had not already forgiven his brothers in his heart? But most importantly, the reason he was able to forgive is he was able to establish his position in the relationship and God's position in the relationship. Am I judge? No. What Joseph is doing is he's leaving room for God's wrath. And so he goes into the relationship and the confrontation with forgiveness, not vengeance. So, are you going to go in with forgiveness or vengeance? Here's the third one. Think good, then do good. Think good, then do good. Which, can you sense here, this is like advanced Christianity. Like if you're just starting, okay? This is Christianity 301, so bear with us for a sec. If you're just beginning in Christianity, don't try this at home. Right, this should come with a warning symbol. Because it seems ridiculous that if your enemy is hungry, feed them. And if they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Because in doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. It seems absolutely crazy. But the, what we see here is, really, you know what this means? Let's think of it this way. When you go to reconcile with someone that you know and you want relationship with, so they're probably someone that you love and someone that you love that's hurt you, someone you care about that's hurt you, if you go into that dynamic, what do you think they've been thinking about for the last three weeks, three months, three years? What do you think they've been doing in their head? They've been playing the gif image of you over and over and over in their head. I mean, think about it. If you know that you've been having imaginary conversations in your head with that person for the last three weeks, three months, three years then of course they've been doing exactly the same thing as you. They've been playing this replay in their head over and over again in order to continue to stay angry at you. That's why you guys haven't reconciled yet. And so they've been playing this image over and over and over in their head. And so something's got to stop this process. And they've been thinking of you. Well, they're a liar. They're entitled. They've got no idea. <laughs> they're just mean. And so what are they expecting? They're expecting the worst out of you. They're expecting Game of Thrones. They're expecting retaliation. And so to heap coals on their head, the imagery there is the imagery of someone sleeping by the fire. <laughs> and, to, and to tip coals on their head. In other words, it's, it's to wake them up. You go, well, wake them up, not through evil or retaliation, but through your good deeds, through gentle and humble opposition to that which they're doing to you. It wakes them up. You're to wake them up with your good deeds. And what does this look like? Uh, you could pray for them. Jesus said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You could pray for them. You could bless them. Jesus also said, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Which the side note for me is, I always thought that when I'm praying to Jesus or God, about trying to sort this relationship out and reconcile. I, this is how I pray. I don't know about you. I pray this. 
But I say, Lord, this person has done woeful, woeful things to me. And Lord, yes, I know that they are almost on the verge and pretty much beyond redemption in anyone's eyes. And I know that they lack the spiritual and the mental maturity in order to make this thing happen. But would you just provide me with breakthrough? Would you help them see the light that I am right and they are wrong and that we can get this? Does anyone pray like this? (laughs) Surely not. (laughs) Jesus is a psychological genius because that's not the type of prayer. When he says pray for your enemy that you might pray and bless them and to will their good. I talked this through with a ministry supervisor who's a registered psychologist. And he said, did you know that psychologically it's impossible to be angry and bitter and resentful towards someone at the same time that you are trying to will their good? You hear that? It's impossible. In fact, I dare you to do it for the next five minutes of the sermon. Just just try. Just try for the next five minutes. Try and genuinely will the good of a person and be angry and bitter and resent. You, you, we can't do it psychologically. And what I love about Jesus' genius in this is he shortcuts the process. You know what this is? This is psychological paracetamol, right? We can take a paracetamol for a headache. How do we take a paracetamol for the hurt that we've fe- felt from someone in the process of unforgiveness? This you do good towards them, even though you don't feel like it, you swallow your medicine, you do good. And as a result, it literally psychologically is a blocker to the process of you feeling the pain in the relationship. Makes sense? Want to do it? <laughs> I can tell. You're like, oh, I don't want to do this, Jesus. You don't know what they've done to me. <laughs> but when you will their good and do their good, it becomes impossible to be angry and resentful towards them at the same time. Doesn't mean that doesn't mean that it makes it better. It doesn't mean that you condone it. What it, do, it does is it shortcuts the anger that is within you. Now, what was remarkable this week? I had a text message from a Northsider who's been terribly hurt by a family member, and it wasn't just emotional pain. It's the real physical pain, ripped off, fired, and not just fired like taken to the cleaners by a family member that's supposed to love them and they sent me a text message this week saying they're in hospital can you please help me pray for them they're not here this morning by the way because i said you get the sunday off right (laughs) you've already learned today's message everyone else has got to come and listen to it but you've already done your homework so you can stay at home have a bit of smashed avocado on toast But you will their good and you do their good. So how do we extend forgiveness? Number one, get yourself right. Number two, withhold revenge. Are you going in with forgiveness or vengeance? Number three, you bless them prayerfully and then practically if, it, if you're able to go into that space. And then and only then do you move in if you want to. This is reconciliation. And you think that it might be possible. Only then can you move in when the scab has turned into a scar and then as you go in whole having cancelled debt you don't owe me i feel healed from this process can you stand in humble and gentle opposition to all of the angst that they have been causing in the relationship and then and then only might things be able to begin and so here's kind of the good news and the bad news for this whole series after three weeks of working through all of this i hate to break it to you but Forgiveness is just the first step. (laughs) That's the first step. 
It's a process. And from there, maybe we've got to do a whole new sermon series for four weeks on reconciliation. But all of this effort, all that we've been talking through is just getting us to the first step. Because if you don't have forgiveness, then life for you will look like, well, Game of Thrones, revenge, anger, bitterness, animated GIFs. You know, a congregant did do an animated GIF of me. They cut the live stream up. I'll send it to you out in the church email so we can remember. Thank you, Cara. <laughs> Forgiveness is the first step. And so as we finish this morning, I've got to ask you, what is the next best step that you can take towards forgiveness? What is the next best step that you can take in this process of forgiveness? I chatted with another Northsider on Tuesday. They came in for lunch and we sat there Thursday, sorry, and they said to me, Sam, you know, I'm, I'm, into, I'm into watching your message from last Sunday for the third time. And he said to me, you know, I've, I've gone and you know what I did? I went and you said, write a letter. So I wrote a letter to uh, that person that had hurt me. And I've realized that, yeah, I've been carrying a lot of anger from that relationship. And I've just been seeking other relationships out of anger because of that relationship. And when I wrote the letter, you know what? I just felt better. The whole point of the story is that he did something. I, I, I affirmed him. I said, you know, you, it, does, it doesn't have to be a letter. You could, I don't know, write something on your mirror. You could have all sorts of other creative ideas. The, the point is he did something. It's the doing that makes a difference. Please don't allow this to be three to four weeks of sitting there and a whole bunch of what I call the Christian moon. Mmm, 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 it's good. Mmm, revelation, mmm, it's good. I know because I know my own life that over the last four weeks, I've carried pains and hurts into my life in this. And I know because of my own life that when I've heard the words of Jesus, there have been moments where I said, I don't want to do this, Jesus. There have been moments where I can see what I need to do and I don't want to do it. And so in that respect, what is the next best step that you can take towards forgiveness? Because Jesus doesn't want you to stay where you are. Jesus doesn't want you to continue to be trapped in the, your own prison of anger and bitterness and resentment. And so this morning, what is that next step for you going to be? For some of you, it is, it's the internal process of specifically identifying, like this Northsider did, what it is that they did to hurt you. Specifically identify it before it's too late and you just become generally an angry person. And deciding, I will cancel the debt. I will cancel the debt. I'll cancel the debt. I said to this Northsider, I said, mate, take the envelope. Get a big red pen on the outside of everything that you've written down. They did an inventory. Just write debt cancelled. Cancel the debt. Then and maybe then you might be able to move into maybe that relationship or more importantly, other relationships. <laughs> a little less scabby. <laughs> a little more scary because forgiveness is not forgetting course you'll never forget but scabs have become scars and in so doing when you walk into the next relationship and they hit you you won't get triggered you won't hurt you won't bleed but you'll extend forgiveness maybe some of you this morning most importantly have struggled with the hardest part of forgiveness of all and that's the part i want to open up this morning and that is for to for you to receive god's forgiveness for some of you all of this journey about what people have done to hurt me has not been applicable to you because you're the sort of person that have done things to hurt other people and you know it. Nothing anywhere 
that you can find in Dimex, the internet, can give you the sort of resource where you have a voice outside you that says, you know what, as much as you're beating yourself up, no much as you feel like you need to pay for this, no matter how much you think that you need to have some pay penance, maybe you've turned back up to church or you're watching church for the first time because you figure if I do that or if I pray harder or if I just get my life back on track, no. God says to you this morning, it's okay. It's okay. So whatever that next step might be for you this morning as we come to a time of communion and of prayer, I invite you to think seriously about what that next best step might mean for you. And here's the thing, can you imagine this? Can you imagine that there's going to be a couple of hundred different relationships? And when I prayed over each and every one of you this morning in that sense, I figured that there is a whole bunch of people that are not listening into this message series that are going to be blessed by this. As we move back out into our lives, there is the innate possibility that relationships that have been strained for years are going to move forward just that little bit better. And if they don't, and this is totally okay too, you will be that little bit better. Let's pray. Lord, I commit the multitude of pains, the multitude of wounds that are in this room, the multitude of relationships that are inextricably attached to this room. Father, I just see a vision of there's collectively thousands of people that are attached to this moment, Heavenly Father. There are family members that have been estranged from one another and there seems to be no passage through. There are marriages that are kind of just not the same because of things that have been said or done. They're not over, but they're not the same. There are friendships that are a little less closer because things that have been said or done. Behind all of that is hurting people that have been using their own, our own techniques to jimmy this up and tuck this away to a component of our lives to think that we'll somehow be okay. It's a part of our lives that's just leaking into the rest of our soul. Some of us this morning, Lord, we're just exhausted. We're just over it. So between us and you, Father, we want to receive your forgiveness and we want to be able to give this over to you. Help us by your Holy Spirit to reveal to each and every one of us individually this morning what that next step is going to be. I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.